Yes, I'm reading from the New International Version large print. First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27, and they're page 959 in the Pew Bible. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. Well, our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Well, it, it finally happened this year. Just a few weeks before my birthday, I got a letter in the mail, and I saw the backside of the envelope first. And the backside of the envelope said, Happy Birthday! And I thought, Oh boy, you know, I've got a present in the mail, or you know, may, maybe it's a check. That'd be nice. It was an invitation to join AARP. And I looked at that invitation. I said, this is for old people. This isn't for me. I'm not old yet. You know, 50 is the new 40, right? 50 is the new 40, so 52. 52 is 52. Uh, there's nothing special about 52. I threw that down on my desk. I said, that's ridiculous. I don't want that. Two weeks ago, I was checking into a hotel in Jasper, Indiana for a conference I went to. Lady in front of me, slightly older than me, is checking in, and as she's taking care of everything, she hands over her harp card, and she got a discount. And I thought to myself, I want a discount. <laughs> I want to pay just a little bit less because I've paid a little bit more to somebody else. I, why didn't I go ahead and fill that out? I, I wondered if I could get on my phone right then and sign up for AARP right then on the, at, at that time. 
And then she started telling me about all the other discounts she gets and, and all the wonderful things that she gets. Did, did you know that, uh, that, that among other discounts besides hotels, you get travel expenses, car rentals, you get discounts. You get discounts on eye exams. You get discounts on your prescription. You get 15% off your bill at Denny's. Every visit. Grand Slam breakfast every day. I'm going to need that prescription perk back there too. You know, after I do that, I'm going to need a little extra on the prescription. But that's what membership is about. You get preferential treatment because you're an ARP member. You show your card and people serve you. Membership has its privileges. Membership means perks. If we're not careful, that attitude can just infect us. If we're not careful, that attitude can cause us to expect preferential treatment everywhere. If we're not careful, that attitude finds its way into the subject of church membership. I've shown up, I paid my dues, and someone needs to wait on me. Someone needs to serve me. In our minds, that's membership. That's how AARP works. That's how a country club works. That's how the Elks Club works. That's how church membership works also, right? I used to drink coffee with a man named Jim just about every morning. Jim was in his 80s, and I was in my 20s, and we were really good friends. Jim had, Jim had lived a hard life. At one time, Jim had a bar in the town where we lived, and the people in the church prayed that that bar would burn down, and that bar burned down. Makes you think, doesn't it? Jim had been a union member, a hard worker, and, and a hard-living guy, but when I knew Jim, he was in church every Sunday. He always sat in the same seat. He, he, he always sat in that same seat, and he'd remind me every now and then, hey, uh, the Bears are playing today. You need to wrap it up a little quick. Sure, Jim, I'll take care of that. But we'd sit about every morning at the diner and have coffee, and every now and then Jim would let me know what he didn't like. He'd say, ah, that... That song we sang Sunday, I don't like that. I like the old song. I didn't like what the kids did Sunday. You had the kids do something, and I didn't like that. You know, now, the kids used to do this, or the kids used to do that. Or in my day, here's, here's how we did it. And I remember Jim would lean across the table there in the coffee shop. He'd look at me, and he'd say, you know, I pay your salary. And I'd lean back across the table and say, you know, someday I'll do your funeral you really want me to tell people everything you've told me at this coffee table? And we'd laugh about that. You know, that's the kind of relationship we had. We could poke at each other and we could joke with each other. We, because we knew the truth that Carol read for you from that very last verse, from verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of that. Jim and I knew that. And, and that meant that Together, we were working together. We were supporting each other. We were helping each other. And here I am 20 years after Jim passed away telling you about him because we had a relationship and because Jim knew that membership means that everyone is necessary. Everyone is necessary because we are all part of the same body. And in this passage, Paul shows us what really lies behind membership. It's not privileges. It's not perks. It's the reality that membership means that we are all connected. 
You heard it in the very first verses that Carol read for us, that verses 12 and 13, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, well, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. Yeah. Even if you never read those verses, you know that's true. Because you know the toe, bow connect, toe bone connected to the foot bone, right? Foot bone connected to the ankle bone. Ankle bone connected to the leg bone. Now hear the word of the Lord, right? We know that. We know this is, we know this is true. And so when the body speak, or when the Bible speaks of church membership, the, the model is not AARP or a Lions Club or, or, or a country club. The model is the body. The body only works if the members are connected. That was a real problem in Corinth, the church that Paul wrote this letter to. That was a real problem in, in Corinth. They fought over everything. They fought over everything in that church. They fought over how to worship. They, they fought over how to worship. They fought over how to take communion. They fought over how to pray and who should pray and what can women do? Can women do this or can women do that in the church? They fought over all kinds of stuff. They had actually split up the membership of the church and, and they had formed little camps. Paul tells us about it in chapter 1. They had formed little camps. And some people said, well, I follow Paul. Paul's the one that I read and, and I follow Paul. Just like Danny back there would might say, I follow Max Lucado. You know, Danny... <laughs> That's, yeah, put your thumb down. That's, that's how they did it. Some people say, well, I follow Paul. And other people say, well, I follow, I follow Peter. And other people would say, well, I follow Apollos. That's the name of another preacher that preached in Corinth. And then still there were other people that said, well, I follow Jesus. They were all being divisive. They were all dividing up the, the body of Christ. And what Paul is saying here in chapter 12 is you can't survive like that. You can't divide the church. Last summer, way down south, 13-year-old little boy, 13-year-old boy named Tyler Hughes. Tyler lost his left arm. 13 years old, he lost his left arm in a in a side-by-side accident. You know, side-by-sides, those four-wheel things that the farmers drive around. Tyler was out riding around in the side-by-side and, and it rolled over on him and he got his arm caught and he lost his left arm. His doctor, his left arm. Doctors had to perform surgery for nine and a half hours to reattach Tyler's left arm. They had to rebuild blood vessels to get the blood flow to his arm. Now today, a year later, Tyler can, he can open a door. He can help his mom carry in the groceries, but not the heavy bags. And the doctors say it could take years for the nerves to regenerate to where he can actually feel anything. And it may not never happen. They may never regenerate. Now, you know, we hear stories like that. Those kind of stories of, of medical miracles like that, they amaze us. And they're fascinating and they're wonderful. But you realize they are still rare. If you lose your arm, chances are your arm is gone. And worse than that is as soon as it's detached it's dead as soon as it's detached it begins to rot an injury like that needs to be taken seriously it needs to be treated quickly can we translate that to the church can we translate that to what we need in the church as the body of christ how long will we allow hurt feelings to divide us how long will we allow our differences to 
to separate us and, and pull us apart before we see just how deadly that is, how that kills the body. You know, if you talk to Tyler's mom today, she will tell you, don't do anything stupid on a side-by-side. You be careful when you're driving a side-by-side. Those things are dangerous. Paul's advice is, remember, we're all connected. We all need each other. We work best when we're together. But Paul doesn't want us to forget another very important lesson here. Not only does membership mean that we're all connected, membership also means that we're all distinct. Yes, the body is one. The body is we are all connected, but we also can't forget that we are all distinct. And, and Paul spells out that example in verse 14. For, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, I'm not an eye, well, it doesn't belong, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? It doesn't work like that. Connor's already taken his leave of us. My son Connor is amazing. I know you know that, and I, I appreciate that you treat him as the amazing young man that he is. He is skilled in some amazing things. I can't tell you how many times I have seen Connor drop a piece of candy on the floor, and where you and I would bend over and pick that up, no, no, no. He reaches down with his toes and grips it and brings it up to his hand and then puts it in his mouth. We've gotten over it, okay? God made dirt and dirt don't hurt, okay? And that's, that's fine for Connor. As you can see, he's a healthy boy. I'm sure you're not supposed to do that. But, and, and please don't let Connor give you a piece of candy. He's not going to give you a piece of candy. I've asked. He won't. Uh, but don't let him give you a piece of candy anyway. But that's not why the body is arranged the way the body is. We need hands to pick things up. We need hands for holding, don't we? We've got to hold hands. We need feet for walking. We need toes for tickling. You know, we, We've got to have those parts where they are. And, and we need you also. Chapter 12 reminds us that we need our distinctiveness. But you know, when you take chapter 12 as a whole... I could tell you about churches that have split over chapter 12. I could tell you about churches that have split over what they read in this chapter. And I could tell you more churches, churches that didn't split, but churches with broken, uh, broken hearts and, and, and hurt feelings, churches that are divided because of what this chapter says about gifts and about how the gifts work. I, I've known people who have been made to feel worthless because they didn't have a particular gift. They were made to feel worthless because they... Well, they, they couldn't speak in tongues, or they couldn't prophesy, or they couldn't heal. That's not the point here. The point is we are supposed to be different. There's a reason God didn't give you two left feet. And there's a reason God has given us each other with our distinctives, with our gifts, He's, he, with the different ways that we serve. Look at verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as He chose. Do you hear that? As he chose. God put your right hand on your right arm for a reason. And he put you in our church for a reason. He gave you your gifts. He gave you your concerns. He gave you the particular things that you are passionate about for a reason. Because you're important. Because you're useful. Because you 
complete His body. And I'm glad He chose you. I'm glad He chose every one of you. I'm glad He chose us to, to, to serve together. There's things that people do here that, that I can't do. There are people who cook for our high school students on Wednesdays. I can't do that. I wouldn't know how to, be, how to begin that. And people do that. There's people who lead our youth groups and, and support our youth group. And, and I'm very glad that God's chosen them. We've got encouragers. We've got hard workers. We've got people who clean up, people who step up, people who, do, who get jobs done. And there isn't a day that goes by that I'm not thankful that God has chosen you and that we get to do this together. One of the reasons I'm glad God has chosen you isn't just, isn't just because of the jobs you do, but because of the way you think. Because some people think different than I do. And that's a, that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. There are people here who think about things that others of us don't think about at all. When Steve and Tara Dawn announced that they were leaving, Paulette Burgett called me up and she said, are we doing anything for Steve and Tara Dawn? And I said, well, the elders and I took Steve out for lunch. We bought him lunch. That's, that's what we know how to do. We know how to eat lunch. She said, we got to do more than that. She said, I'm going to make a quilt. And she came up with that idea for the quilt and what you see out there at that table. I never would have thought of that. Not only would I never have thought about it, I never would have been able to do that. I have no idea how that works. And when you take a square and you write something encouraging or, or sign your name or do something with that, you'll fill it with encouragement that will be different from everybody else's. And, and together, together that quilt will come together and we'll do something wonderful together. The beauty of church membership is that God has chosen you and me and, and each one of us. He's chosen us together to work together, to serve together, to bring Jesus' glory together. Membership means we need each other. There's an old myth. Uh, You've probably heard this. There's an old myth that says that people with a disability uh, have, have, have better abilities in other areas. It's like this. You've heard this, this before. People who are blind have better hearing than sighted people. Have you ever heard that? People who are blind have, can hear better than, than sighted people. You realize it's not true. There's nothing about going blind that suddenly gives you super hearing. You know, that, that doesn't work. You know what happens is they have to become more adept at hearing. They have, to, they have to concentrate more. They have to pay more attention to what they're hearing. What it means is that their brain has to work overtime hearing to compensate for the sight that they don't have. And while that's amazing, and it's wonderful that, that your brain can do that, it's not optimal. You need to be able to see. Have you driven by that that intersection in Charleston, right there next to McDonald's. Have you driven by there and, and you heard the beep, beep, beep? Have you ever heard that? We were driving by and we hear beep, 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 beep. And Gracie said, what's that? And I said, that's for blind people. That lets them know it's okay to cross the road right now. You know, with all these electric cars coming out and people driving Teslas and things like that, those cars don't make enough noise for blind people. And blind people are saying, we need, we need noise. We need more noise. I think they need to put... Uh, playing cards in the spokes like we used to on our bicycles, you know? They do something to make a little bit more noise. They say, we can't hear the cars coming. It's, it's dangerous, and, and it is. It's dangerous. In a perfect world, eyes and ears work together. In a perfect world, we need each other. Paul says in verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weak are indispensable and and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts, well, they're 
treated with greater modesty, which, is, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. The eye needs the hand. The head needs the feet. We need each other. Blind people have to work all the more diligently to make up for what they don't have. They have to listen all the more diligently. That causes more work. That causes more stress. Can we translate that lesson to the church? Can we see the stress that we put on the body of Christ? Can we just ask, who's working overtime here? Who's working overtime because we don't have enough volunteers? Who's causing, who are we causing more stress because not enough people volunteer? Who's getting stressed out because we won't step up? Who's getting burned out because somebody said, well, that's, that's not my job. That's not my gift. That's not my concern. Or I did that years ago. It's time for someone else to do it. There's an old principle that, that applies across all walks of life, and you've probably heard about this principle before. It's called the 80-20 principle. You ever heard of the 80-20 principle? You know how it goes? 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And you can find that just about anywhere. You find that in schools, I'm sure. You, you find that in businesses. You find that in your homes. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. We also find it in churches, but that doesn't mean it's right nor does it mean we should accept it as the norm. If you went to the doctor and, and he said, hey, uh, your heart's only working at 20%, you wouldn't say, that's fine, because it'll do 80% of the work by itself. No, that's, that's a problem. That's not how it should work. Jesus didn't call us to be the body so that 80% of us could sit back and, and do nothing. When you get to read I Am a Church Member by Tom Rainer, uh, excellent little book. And look how small it is. You'll read that in no time. You could, you, could take, you could read that after your nap this afternoon. Page 13 says, there is a beautiful diversity in the midst of unity in church membership. The Bible makes it clear that if one part does not do its job, the whole body does not function well. But if one part does its job well, the whole body rejoices and is stronger. Paul said it this way, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Membership means everyone is necessary. You know, if you read on in, in chapter 12 here, you'll read about the different gifts. And, and that's the part that we used to read all the time was about all the gifts. And there's exciting gifts in there. There's gifts of prophecy. And there's gifts of healing. And there's gifts of tongues. And those, those things are all kinds of exciting. But then you also read about the more day-to-day -day gifts. There's a, there's a gift of administration. And did you know that's a gift? It's a gift. There's a gift of administration. There's a gift of leadership. There's a gift of teaching. But all of them are necessary. And if you're a member of the body of Christ, we need you. Your service, your gift is necessary. We're not complete without you. The Corinthians forgot that. And we can forget it too if we're not careful. You get to the end of chapter 12, and the very last verse, the very last sentence, Paul writes this. 
and I will show you a still more excellent way. Something more excellent than being a body. Something more excellent than your gift and what you can do. I will show you a more excellent way. And then the next chapter, chapter 13, is what we call the love chapter, right? It's the love chapter. That's the chapter that reminds us love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude. Uh, love forgives all things, bears all things, believes all things. We Love never fails. We love that passage. It's the love passage. What are you going to do? You're going to love it. I can't tell you how many weddings I've read the love passage at. We love to read it at, the, at weddings. And, and I can't tell you how many times, in, you know, writing a sloppy Valentine's Day card to my wife, I've written a verse from the love chapter. You find it on Valentine's Day cards all the time. We read it at weddings. We re- give it to our Valentine. You realize Paul wrote those words not for a wedding and not for a Valentine, but for a bunch of Christians in a church that couldn't agree on anything? A bunch of people who had decided that some of them were going to show up early at communion and get drunk (laughs) while the rest of them just sat in the back and didn't get anything to eat at all? And Paul tells them, let me show you a a more excellent way. Paul devoted the love chapter to a church that was fighting over everything, and he called them to look closely at what it was that held them together. And it's nothing less than the Holy Spirit expressing the character of, of Jesus Christ through each one of them, through the way they love each other. There's a lot of wonderful things we can do. There's a lot of wonderful ways that, that we can serve, but, but without love, it's meaningless. But with love, it binds us together. With love, it makes us one. It reminds us that no matter what our gift is, each one of us is valuable, each one of us is necessary, and that together, our church accomplishes more. We haven't talked much about church membership at Kansas. We, we don't talk a lot about church membership. It's not been something that we've stressed much. And I, I think, honestly, to be honest with you, I think one of the reasons we've ignored it is because of that wrong mindset. Because I don't just want you to be part of my club. Uh, I can't offer you a perk, okay? I, I don't have any perks or discounts for you. Uh, we got a great retirement plan, but that's about it. But I tell you this, Jesus needs you to be part of his body. Jesus needs you to be part of his body. And if that's something that you've not taken a step to do, if that's something that you've not said, you know, I've I've not thrown in with you all. I've I've not decided to to make my home here. We, We want to encourage you to do that. We would love to talk to you about that. The elders would love to talk to you about that. I'd love to spend some time talking to you about that. We'd love to have you do that. I'd love to have you understand exactly what that means as we spend the next few weeks looking at what it means to be a church member. Will you stand with me as we pray? Father, it is nothing less than miraculous and amazing how you've brought us together. We've got different gifts. We've got different passions. And each one of us is uniquely created to serve you. And then something beautiful happens when we get to do that together. So Lord, let us never forget that even though we're different, we're all useful to your body. Give us hearts that encourage and hearts that welcome and desire to see each other serve. And let our world and our community see the amazing things that you have, that, that you build by bringing us together. And most importantly, let Jesus be glorified through his body here at Kansas Christian Church. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.